This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and... Pardon me. Uh, yes, yes, very good Echo Park and all that, but a half a mo, if you please... Hello all. Wells here. Just doing a bit of tidying up round the old library forward slash laboratory and came across a veritable treasure trove of old dead authors' discussions. They were wedged down behind an old steamer trunk full of bat coin, an extremely valuable form of currency we'll be using a few years from now, once the planet's bat population dwindles down to... Never mind, you'll get it soon enough. The important thing is, we'll be releasing these appendices from time to time, so please don't be alarmed when you see them. And definitely don't be alarmed by the one you're about to hear, which for some reason seems to have had its back end rather unceremoniously lopped off. Well, I say that. There could have been a ceremony. We don't have that audio either. Life is ever so full of mystery and wonder, isn't it? These appendices will feature two authors for twice the literary insight, as well as special introductions from some of our favorite past guests, like this one from Dr. Carl Sagan. What's a matter, you? Antimatter, matter, coalescing into a cosmic quantum foam, so bubbly you could fairly take a bath in it. I'm Carl Sagan for the Cosmos, letting you know we are made of star stuff, double Oreo star stuff, so sweet and creamy, one cannot help but split halves like a Saturnal ring and taste its white, creamy effervescence. And now, the Dead Authors Podcast Appendix C with Edgar Allan Poe and J.D. Salinger. Cosmos. Please welcome to the stage Edgar Allan Poe. Hear the sledges with the bells, silver bells. What a world of merriment their melody foretells. How they tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the icy air of night. While the stars that oversprinkle all the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight. Keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the tintinabulation. <laughs> made up that word. <laughs> That so musically wells from the bells, 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 from the mingling and tinkling of the bells. How you doing, Ed? Thank you. Oh, (laughs) H.G. Wells, nice to meet you. That was uh, movingly tedious. Mr. Poe, how are you? Uh, how are you enjoying your visit to the uh, the twenty first century? That was not cool, man. Whisking me out of my own time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was not fun. I thought I thought you'd enjoy it. You, you seemed sad. No, yeah, I, <laughs> I am, man. I'm a little down. <laughs> why? Why is that, Ed? I haven't had a drink. In 150 years, that's why. Boy, I don't know if you can really count the uh, the years that uh, that have elapsed since the travel. It's really a it's a look. There was trip. a rip in the time space continuum, and I was floating around 
unstuck in time for a while. Absolutely. So any anachronistic references I make can be attributed to that. Well, you can't say fairer than that. Our next guest, uh, we've been trying to book for the Dead Authors panel for quite some time, but the scheduling wasn't quite right. Thankfully, a hole has opened up in his schedule, and he's here this evening. Uh, Although he became a recluse later in life, his stories continue to make a connection with millions of people, particularly his novel The Catcher in the Rye, which struck a chord with dull people who like to be able to say they've read a book. (laughs) Please welcome making his Dead Authors panel debut, Mr. J.D. Salinger. J.D. Salinger. J.D. J.D. Salinger. Mr. Salinger, if you would join us on the stage. Oh, here he is. <laughs> now, Mr. Salinger, if you would uh, favor us with, uh, by reading uh, from your works. You want me to read this? You want me to read this? Yes, if you just read a bit of your uh, writing. I, I wrote it. So I... Yes, that is the idea. <laughs> Thank you for playing along. <laughs> I'm sorry, aloud, aloud was the... Uh, if you would read aloud from... Uh, didn't, didn't realize that had to be uh, actually said. When I didn't do, I gave old Sally Hayes a buzz. She went to Mary Woodruff. I knew she was home because I had this letter from a couple weeks ago. I wasn't too crazy about her, but I know her for years. I used to think she was quite intelligent in my stupidity. And the reason I did is she knew quite a lot about theater and plays and literature and all that stuff. And somebody knew quite a lot about those things. It takes you quite a while to find out that they're really stupid or not. And it took me years to find it out in old Sally's case. I think I did much sooner, but she'll be next sometime much. The trouble is I always sort of think of whoever I'm necking as a pretty intelligent person. Hasn't got a goddamn thing to do with it, but I keep thinking it anyway. Anyway, I gave her a buzz. First the maid answered, then her father. And then she got on Sally. I said, yeah, who's this? She said, she was quite a little phony. Uh, I already told her father who it was. Holden Caulfield, how are you? Holden, I'm fine. How are you? Swell, listen, hey, how are you? Anyway, I mean, how's school? Fine, she said. I mean, you know, swell. Well, listen, I was wondering if you were busy today. It's Sunday, but there's always uh, one or two matinees going on Sunday. Benefits and all that, you know. Would you care to go? I'd love to. Grand. Grand. <laughs> There's one word I hate, it's grand, it's so phony. For a second I was tempted to tell her I forgot about the matinee, but we chewed the fat for a while, that is, she chewed the fat for a while. Uh, you couldn't get a word in edgewise, first she told me about some Harvard guy, probably a freshman. She didn't say naturally, that was rushing the hell out of her, calling her, calling her up night and day, night and day, that killed me. And then she told me about some other guy from West Point, because that was cutting his throat over to her too, big deal. I told her to meet me under the clock at the Biltmore at 2 o'clock and not to be late because the show probably started at 2.30. She was always late. Then I hung up. She gave me a pain in the ass, but she was very good looking. Well, well, Mr. Salinger, thank you for giving 100% of 40%. That guy's dripping with personality, man. You know, my poem has three more stanzas I could have read. No, I think we're good. I think we get it. Uh, Bells, 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 and all that. <laughs> I got paid by the word. <laughs> you must be. <laughs> you must be swimming in it, dear boy. 
This is a dead author's thing? Uh, well, yes. I mean, uh, yeah. the idea is that uh, in, in, this, uh, All right. in this time frame, uh, some of the authors could be said to be uh, no longer quite alive. So I'm, I'm dead. Well, uh, yeah. not, not right now. Not in cool, f- man. Not cool. <laughs> this is not how I wanted to find out. Wait. Surely you had no illusions that you would be alive in the year 2010, Edgar Allan Poe. I, I don't know, man. I wrote a lot. I wrote a, about a lot of kooky stuff, man. Sure. People getting buried behind walls, still being alive. The- Cats coming back from the dead. Yeah. The, the miraculous preservative powers of gin. So I'm, I'm dead. Well, yeah. eventually, eventually, eventually. I mean, we all must, uh, we all must shuffle off this mortal coil. What? What? It's, what? It's, skip it, skip it, gentlemen. Let's skip it. Uh, uh, thank you for being here. I uh, hope you can get past the idea that uh, you are not immortal. I'm dead, yeah. And uh, yes, uh, just a few questions before we uh, turn it over to our, uh, our audience here this evening, who I'm sure are itching. To uh, ask you every little thing. Edgar Allan Poe. In 1835, you married Virginia Clem, your 13-year-old first cousin. My question is, uh, is there any way that's not weird? (laughs) First of all, that was just another time... People didn't live as long back then. You know, first of all, she died of tuberculosis when she was 25, so I gave her 12 good years. 13 was like 40 back then, you know. You were an old maid if you weren't married. And I should also like to point out that during this rip in the space-time continuum... I checked out your Wikipedia page, H.G. Wells, and you also married your cousin. But not first. I mean, there, there are limits to these things, you know. I mean, a certain amount of decorum. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, perhaps your most famous story uh, is your poem, The Raven which was a huge success. Is it true the inspiration was you being drunk out of your mind? I do not remember writing that poem. It's quite a scoop. I think I was chasing absinthe with malt liquor. And, uh, and I woke up and that whole thing was right there on my desk wholesale. I sent it off to my publisher. I've never read it. I just... I don't remember writing it or reading it. Happy that people like it. No one, no one, no one said that. I don't, no one said that. Well, it's a big success. It was made into a movie, which you can't say about any of your shit. By choice. That is true. Uh, J.D. Salinger, you, uh, yeah. you famously declined all offers, all offers to have your, uh, yeah, your works. Yeah, I've declined a lot of stuff. Um, I say so. yes to everything, man. 
Now, uh, over the years, you, you did decline uh, several offers to have your uh, your works turned into. Films. I know. Was it? Was, were you afraid you? Uh, you, you turned down the opportunity to reach disturbed illiterates for a change. Is that what? what it was As opposed about? to disturbed literates. Indeed. That, yeah. That is what I was getting at. Yeah. No, I. You know, I just think like, like if you don't want to read a book, don't like if you don't want your kids to read a book, don't give your kids that book. You know, like everybody's like. It's just, it's so phony. It's so, just a goddamn, oh. So, you know, I mean, you know, I come and burn some of your stuff you make. So, like, I don't want a movie. They would mess it up. And, you know, this isn't even the book that I wrote. Like, they change it and stuff. Half of this, he wasn't even named Holden Caulfield. What? what? You're saying they've changed yeah, the Yeah, things that I read uh, wrote and they changed and it's you know wait, wait, hold, hold on a second they, there's a character called phoebe now yes it was originally phobe it was symbolism it was symbolism it was supposed to be was it uh, yeah was, was it spelled the same way by yes the yes. Yes. yes that is that is curious p-h-o-e-b-e that yeah it's curious that's some subtle so, symbolism man yeah what was uh what was holden caulfield's original name then his uh butter brickle so, which <laughs> I, ca- I'm sorry, the character's name, the protagonist of this story, his name was Butter Brickle. Yeah. Is that first and last name? Is that, uh, or just all one together? First name, last name. Why, what? No, I do apologize for my ridiculous question. I, of course, his Christian name was Butter and his surname was Brickle. I don't know if he was a Christian. Look. It's just, you know, you give your heart and soul into these things, and then you submit them, and people change them. So no way I was going to let, you know, Hollywood... uh, Just don't read the book. If you don't like the book, don't read the book. So the movie... uh, Just, goddammit. Ah, a point well made. Edgar Allan Poe, how do you feel about the the adaptations of your work? There have been several over the years, all starring Vincent Price. That guy cracks me up, man. He's good. He's not bad. He's pretty good. He's he bad. he is macabre, let me tell you. You know, they they had to do some padding. Because a lot of my story is about four pages long. Yes, it's true. It's true. And they really stretch those suckers yes. out. Yes, yes, you know? yes. Um, Bella Lugosi was also in a few of them. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn good. Do you have a uh, favorite or a least favorite adaptation of uh, one of your works? Yeah, you know, Roger Corman made um, Fall of the House of Usher, and it was very psychedelic. <laughs> and that's not really what I had in mind, as psychedelic had not yet been invented. Mm-hmm. Would have been difficult then, sure. Would have been difficult. Absolutely. Man, if they had acid... I would have been the first in line, man. You are not what I thought you would be. I don't exactly have exactly any- what I thought you'd be, man. Unfortunately, neither of you are what I hoped you'd be. <laughs> um, now, Edgar, much of your work is filled with melancholy, regret, and despair. What did you do for fun? Sigh. I don't get that. 
that I have this reputation as like a downer, man. Because I you, you really don't. I don't. You get don't it, at no. all. You you can't see that at all. It was all blowing off steam. Can you can voice. you can you name a single thing you've written where someone wasn't dead? Is there one? Let me look. Don't yeah, look. You page through. Should I just read more of How my about stuff? The murders, no, in, please the murders in the Rue Morgue? I think, I think in the name. I think it doesn't get past the name. How about the premature burial? I think again. I Mask think. of the Red Death. Yeah. Um, Death's in there. Cask of Amont- Amontillado. I bet that's foreign for death. <laughs> I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Is oh, the fall, the fall of the House of Usher. That's not about somebody dying, just falling. You might want to sleep it off and reread that one, Ed. Have you read any of these? This is not looking familiar to me. <laughs> Mr. Salinger, in 1953, you moved from oh Manhattan. My, oh, my God. To, I'm sorry. I, it is a panel. Uh, what, are you writing a book? Questions, are you writing a book? God damn it. Not, not at the moment. I have written uh, several. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with my work at all? The, uh... Yeah, space and stuff, right? Yes, space and stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that I'm is sure the... Sparked, uh, a, the... sparked a lot of controversy. <laughs> oh, I, uh, you're alluding to the controversy. Your, your work has... Uh, oh, has it? I, the... mm, we don't hear about it up in the you know, New England. I almost feel like you're being a bit of a goddamn phony. Look, just don't re- don't read the book if you don't like the book. Yeah, as as you've said, how, Look, you how wrote, did you? you how did you? I think it was born in Manhattan. All right, born in Manhattan, then 1953, you moved to Cornish, New Hampshire, where right. everybody goes. You became uh, a bit of uh, a recluse and. Uh, that's I would like true. to ask you why and also say on behalf of the world, thank you. That is not true. Uh, I'm not a recluse. I simply, you know, don't leave the house, which... You might, you might want to uh, leave it at once to buy a dictionary because uh, I think you'll find that uh, that's the definition of a recluse right there. Yeah, I've saved you a trip, so... Uh... <laughs> you know, I think a lot of what I do is misunderstood. Like, people... You know, are like, why did you stop writing? And I mean, God damn it. Like, I did not stop writing. I mean, I write a book a day. <laughs> I stopped publishing. You know what? My books get assigned in 10th grade English. Mm-hmm. People read your books and shoot the president. How, how am I the downer? I do believe. I do. I do believe Mr. Poe is unfairly conflating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfairly conflating uh, two unfortunate events, <laughs> uh, which are not re- related except by uh, sheer creepiness. So, in a sense, I suppose you're correct. I suppose you're correct. Um, now, gentlemen, uh, it's that magical time where we turn over the uh, the questioning to our uh, our audience here. Oh my the god! Panel. Yes, I know you're you're not going to enjoy this at all, JD. So, if there's anyone who has a question, oh, right here on the stage, yes, ma'am. JD, what were you thinking when you wrote a perfect day for banana fish? What are you? What are you? What are you taking a survey? What I mean? Huh? What about? About how you died. About how? How did I die? Snowboarding. <laughs> Let's say yes. Let's say you were snowboarding. 
in the 2010 Olympic Games it. in Vancouver. Congratulations. I knew I was good. I had no idea. Um, look, if you want to read my books or short stories or my obituary or whatever, you have to read into it what you want to read into it. Look, we all get on our trips. We all take things. We all smoke things. And sometimes bananas are fish. And sometimes submarines are flying. And sometimes you got to write a story about stuff. So if you're writing a story about my enormously popular huge death while snowboarding, apparently in Canada, I, that's what you should write about. What does it mean to me? It's a walk in the park. I mean, you know. Well, that's the story where a guy kills himself at the end, right? And then that's just it. He's dead. He doesn't, like, haunt anyone or... Is that... Is that how you read it? Yeah, and then he puts a bullet through his head. End of story. There's no more when that happens. That's what happens when you die. Until, I'd have, until like, you... banana, the banana fish... I know. Like swim into his widow's everyone, hotel every, room. Everyone here knows what you want him. God damn it! It's everyone. a shame we never got to read that uh, ghost fish story. Yes. Any more questions? Everyone yes. here. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Salinger, it, it seems as though until you walked on the stage, you thought you might be immortal. I'm wondering if now, when you go back to your time, are you going to live differently? If I may repeat the question. Why? Um, for the for the, uh, the the podcast listener. I know what it is. <laughs> Oh, now I've forgotten the goddamn question. Is he going to live differently now? Now, yes, thank you very much. Mr. Salinger, are you going to live differently now that you know you're not immortal? Okay. Is that going to change anything at all? The, the confirmation that you're not some sort of Olympian god? He surprised. He surprised when you came yes, he did. He okay. did seem surprised. I, Irritatingly surprised. Can I he... clarify the record? Yes. God, god damn it. I was surprised to learn that I was dead. I didn't think I was immortal. I thought I was alive. Well, he's got you there, audience member. Yeah. Any other questions? I have very recent memories, and no, I wouldn't live any different. Oh, less have, less have, snowboarding. Well, yes, you, you, ma'am. Um, I'm sorry. God damn no, it. No, that's cool. Oh. <laughs> Always the bridesmaid, Ed. Always the bridesmaid. <laughs> If I may sum up, uh, what's with the socks? I'm a recluse. Of course. Perhaps, perhaps the matching socks were on the other side of that booby trap you'd constructed. No one will ever get your canned goods. Congratulations. Who, who, we have time for one final question. One final question, yes. Who told you that? Oh, a question for me, a question for me. I bet we all forgot that that wasn't off limits. Yes, I also am an author in my own right. Well, um, of course, uh, I loved, uh, I've loved several of the adaptations of my works. I, I, I'm a big uh, Rod Taylor fan. I've made no secret of that. 
not so much a Tom Cruise fan. Didn't enjoy the uh, the Spielberg War of the Worlds. It's uh, can't get past the Scientology thing. Uh, we'll take one more question. One more question, not for me, but for someone else. Yes, you, sir. Uh, Mr. Poe, how do you feel about oh. the fact that no one asked you any questions? Oh, good question. Good question, Mr. Poe. How do you feel about the fact that no one has asked you any questions? You know, my life is an answer. Everything you need to know is written on my crazy face. <laughs> Not at all what I thought it'd be. Not at all what I would. Well, we all have we all, we all have disappointments in life, don't we, JD? Uh, one final question uh, from me to the panel: um, Is there anything that you would like to do before you are returned to your own time? Anything you'd like to do in 21st century uh, America? Uh, or anywhere, really. Anything you'd like to do uh, anywhere or any when? I'd like to see Tom Jones in concert. <laughs> I just hear he puts on a good show. I've heard that as well, yes. I've heard that as well. Like, he's still got it after yeah. all these years. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of energy. He's still got the pipes. Yeah. Yeah. JD? I don't know. I mean, I guess I wish I had direct TV. That's not good enough? Tom, Tom Jones? God damn it. My thanks to Edgar Allan Poe, J.D. Salinger, and Carl Sagan for their time. Special thanks to Mezzos Craig Kakowski, Mark Evan Jackson, and Matt Gawley for no particular reason. This podcast is produced by Mrs. Ben Zelovansky and Paul F. Tompkins, with special material written by Mr. Zelovansky. The producers wish to thank Cody Fisher, Jim Yatto, Alex Berg, Susan Hale, and everyone at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre Los Angeles, and Lauren Rock and Joel Arquios at 826LA. Our theme was composed and performed by Mr. Eben Schletter, Esquire. Our program is recorded live and monthly at the UCB Theatre Los Angeles. If you'd like to attend a future recording, tickets may be acquired at ucbtheatre.com. The theatre donates all proceeds to 826LA. For updates on future performances, please like the Dead Authors page on Facebook. For additional updates or to ask questions of our guests from the safety of your very own thumbs, follow us on Twitter, at DeadAuthorPod. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying the show is over. <laughs>